Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Floppy Bombs. As always, I'm your host, Zakari Westbrook, and joining me is... Ariane de Garnier-Leclerc. One of these days we're going to do like a, like a, a workshop where you teach people how to properly pronounce your last name. And everybody will fail. <laughs> That's probably true. So, uh, today's movie uh, is the... I'm going to try that one again, sorry. Okay. <clears throat> today's movie is... <laughs> nope. 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 Yeah, it's it not. It's not today's movie. No. Nope. No. Nope. No. Yeah, we're not doing a movie today. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> Shut it down. Okay. Ah, <laughs> uh, all right. Today's movie at one time held the Guinness record for the biggest flop in Hollywood history. <sighs> yeah. And how how does that represent like money wise? The film's budget. Uh, we're going to go into a little more detail with this later. But yeah, the film's budget topped out around $121 million in 1995. That's a lot of prostitutes. Yes, <laughs> it is a lot of prostitutes. Now, to put that in perspective, and we're going to go into, as I said, more detail with this later. But to put that into perspective, the very similar movie, Pirates of the Caribbean cost about 140 million in 2003. It's it was a huge huge chunk of change at the time, absolutely massive. Of course, we are talking about the legendarily failed film Cutthroat Island. Have you seen this one before? Nope, I haven't. Yeah, me neither. I never saw this. I didn't see it when it came out in the theaters. I didn't see anything like that. So both of us are coming into this movie completely green uh, with just absolutely nothing under our belts to prepare us for what we're about to watch. Are you scared? No. Okay. <laughs> are you? A little bit, actually. I'm I'm, I'm slightly worried that this is going to be a Pirates of the Caribbean dead man's chest kind of situation. Pirates of the Caribbean, the only one that was worth watching is the first one. Obviously. Mm, I still enjoy the other ones just because. They were not good, but I enjoyed just because. Well, I'm, I'm hoping that it's at least going to be a just because. I think if you liked the other two, I guess there's three now. I don't know. How many? I, leave some, someone tell us in the comments how many Pirates of the Caribbean movies there are. But yeah, if you like the, like the sequels to Curse of the Black Pearl, then I think you're probably safe. <laughs> Let's not comment. Let's say I was just happy to see those characters again. And then when they broke them all and made like shit out of them. I'm sorry. Can I say shit? Yeah, you can say shit. Okay. I'm so, not right people saying shit. Okay. It's a podcast. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> so when they just turn them into shitty characters, eh, I just try to remember the first movie. Okay. <laughs> I I know I watched the first two. I feel like I watched the third one, but I have no memory of it whatsoever. And if there's a fourth one, because I'm pretty sure there's a fourth one, I don't believe I've seen that one. Hmm. What I know is like it's so like they made the characters so like fun like to imagine how they would be later on your own and then for example the, the best example is what's his face um Will he was actually yeah, a Orlando good Bloom? swordman yeah he was actually a good swordman and he was like a, a 
kind of cool character and they made him into such a dis disgusting wuss in all the other episodes. I was like, eek. Oh, okay, okay. They, they just turned, like, the the stupid-sounding characters into cool ones, and they turned mm -hmm. the ones that could have been cool characters into shit. Yeah, because they I, make a huge deal in the first one about how, like, he spends all of his free time practicing his sword skills. Yes, and then, it, it, like, he's so good, that's why he makes, like, such nice pieces of, like, um, how do you call that? Weaponry? Weaponry, yeah. Yes, and then basically he he actually did it, and it's not his master who actually made the sword and stuff. Like they, they go over this, and then after a second episode, second movie, I'm just a big wuss. I can't fight, and I'm really, really lame. Ugh. Agreed. Ugh. But that's how I feel about most Orlando Bloom films. Yeah. Well, I was, I was okay with the way they turned out that one anyway. Anyway. Yeah. So this movie came out in 1995. Um, which was the same year as Toy Story and another movie that has a reputation for being a massive bomb but actually wasn't, which of course is Waterworld. Waterworld? Oh, you, you've never heard of Waterworld? I don't think so, no. Did, or, or is did the they French, have movie theaters in Quebec? Is the French title out? very, very far from the English title? That's what we need to look. Okay, we're going to look up the French title of Waterworld right now. See, I've been researching Cutthroat Island and why it failed and that sort of thing. I did not think to look up the French titles of any of these movies. Okay, Waterworld. En français? Waterworld? I don't know. So they kept the same title? Yeah, it's the same title. Okay. Uh, yeah. No, 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 no. Un monde Ah. A world without mm, land. 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 Un monde sans terre. Sans. You don't pronounce the S. Ah, sans terre. French. So many letters you don't pronounce. No, it's just the end consonant. We just don't pronounce end consonant. <laughs> uh, Ariane and I are going to uh, take a break real quick. We're going to go watch the movie. When we come back, we will have our opinions on this particular floppy bomb. Does it deserve its reputation as a horrible, money-losing, chaotic turd of a film? Or did it just get overlooked and unjustly treated because it was released the weekend after Jumanji. But more about that later on. Anything to say before we go? She's shaking her head. Okay. I love that I chose a podcast partner who's so fond of just nodding and shaking her head. <laughs> All right. Ariane and I will be right back. We're going to enjoy the movie. Uh, or we're going to watch the movie. We're going to hope to enjoy the movie. Oh, no, I think you're biased. You're already talking about enjoying now. <laughs> you were lying earlier when you said you were scared. You're the one who said she liked the third parts of the Caribbean movie. I said I wanted to see the characters again. That's why I liked that part. So there we go. All right, we'll be back with the final judgment after we stop. Uh, How do you feel? Um, I don't know. Kind of... Empty? Tired? <laughs> it felt long. It did feel long. It felt like a really long movie. Uh, well, maybe not really long, but it... Okay, it's about a two-hour movie, 
and I felt every minute of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was not because it was not nice. It was not because the plot was boring, and it was not because the costumes and the render was bad. Why was it? Okay, so the first the first thing that's wrong with this movie is the dialogue. Right away from the very beginning, it's painful. You are heartless, Lieutenant. My apologies, Senorita. But you are right. I thought it was much more amusing this way also, since I knew that you knew. By the way, that won't work. See, I took your balls. It's very bad writing. Now, the plot overall, like like the beats, you know, point A to point B to point C to point C, uh, point D. Cool pirate movie. It, cool. it worked, yeah. It's full pirate movie. Everything works just fine. But when you actually get to the dialogue, the things that the characters are saying, it's just... Painful. It's what? very... It's You know what? It's George Lucasy is what it is. Um, because you have a few... No. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, exactly. You get a few of these these very dramatic sort of lines. And then there are a few parts where they try to use really odd... Get out of my eyes. Yeah. <laughs> Among others. <laughs> like somebody read one book from like the 18th century and they were trying to copy that style of dialogue without actually understanding the way people talked back then. Yeah, with an American accent, like as thick as, you know, all this stuff. General quarters, Mr. Snellgrave. Powder to the gums, but softly. What's going on? Do what I tell you. So let, let, let's talk They're plot. They're in Jamaica. Let's talk plot, yeah. So it's a, it's a Caribbean pirate movie. Uh, you've got uh, Gina Davis playing this second generation or maybe third generation, they mentioned a grandfather at some point, pirate, who is trying to assemble a map drawn, I'm guessing by, I think it was by her grandfather. I think mm-hmm. someone mentioned that. Drawn by her grandfather and then spread out among her, among his um. these four brothers, one of whom is dead before the movie even starts. Uh, and then two more die during the course of the plot um, as her evil uncle, Dog. <sighs> Bad dog. Ah! Bad dog. Ah! <laughs> oh, that hurt. Oh, that was painful. <laughs> I said oh. it. I said it. Oh. I finally got to say it. Oh. <laughs> ah. <laughs> and Zach is dying. Ah. Anyway. <laughs> That's how she ended it. <sighs> okay, so yeah, so her evil uncle is—he's trying to gather pieces of the map. She's trying to gather pieces of the map, and they're gonna—and they're racing to get the treasure that's hidden somewhere on Cutthroat Island. So, basic, basic pirate plot. It's fine. Yeah, it's a fairly standard pirate pirate plot. Um, she initially thinks that the writing on the map is in Latin, and so she goes to Port Royal, buys a slave who is rumored to be able to speak Latin, um, who maybe does, maybe doesn't, because it turns out the writing isn't actually in Latin, it's just backwards, etc., etc., etc. So this is Shaw, and the two of them embark on this adventure to go... Yeah, and... And nothing romantic about this is going on. They have no chemistry. None whatsoever. I've treated you cruel. You've had a lot on your mind. And you did help me at the prison. The tavern. 
Let's say, between us, just for argument's sake, that you have Mordecai's map. But I don't. No, I know that, but pretend that you do. I was willing to go halves with him and his. I would do the same with you and yours. You're saying that if I show you mine, you'll share yours with me? <laughs> Give me the map. Good movie with bad casting. Change the actors and do the same thing. You'll be okay. And get a script doctor in to tighten up the dialogue. Yes, please. But that's the thing. Yeah, the visually, like you said, it's absolutely fantastic. It's beautiful. Everything looks actually used, not just new material made and made dirty. It's actually like... Yeah, so when first Pirates of the Caribbean movie came out, they were comparing The Curse of the Black Pearl with Cutthroat Island because after Cutthroat Island, nobody made pirate movies. This movie tanked so badly that nobody in Hollywood dared to make another pirate movie until Disney came along and was like, yeah, we're going to make a Disney movie, and or we're going to make a pirate movie, and it's a pirate movie based on a ride. On a what? <laughs> on a ride. Pirates of the Caribbean was originally a ride at Disney World. They had a they, they had a movie based on that ride and not the opposite. Yeah. I love this. Oh, jeez. You know, yeah, like the Pirates of the Caribbean ride, I don't know when that opened exactly, but it was like the 70s or the 80s, something like that. Huh. It was too clean, but it was beautiful to watch because of that. But this thing is, when you look at the the you look at like the pub scene in Tortuga, mm -hmm. uh, in Pirates of the Caribbean, the pub is re it's really dark and grimy, and you don't really believe that anybody would spend their time there. Yep. It's this cartoonish sort of dirty that they have in that movie, which sort of fits because the whole thing is really really cartoonish. This one, they have this giant fight in a bar. And the bar just looks like a kind of cheap bar that people go to. Mm -hmm. Everything looks believable, like yeah. except the acting. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the props, the costume, and the explosions, most of them. Well, and then you get to the then you get to, of course, like the big ship scenes. They rebuilt at least two scale models of 17th century tall ships, like two scale. These are not models. These are like, they looked like functioning um, high-masted ships. And it was absolutely fantastic on a visual level. But Gina Davis... It's so oh. lame. She's a mother. She's a mother wearing a pirate clothes and pretending that she's angry. Yeah. At times. <laughs> she is right at home as this kind of suburban mom. Uh, she was fantastic in Beetlejuice as the... As the ghost mom, you know. What? You've seen Beetlejuice, right? I know of it. I don't remember okay. much. Okay. I'm sure I saw it like physically, but. Yeah. So you've got this yuppie couple who die she in. She was in it. Yeah, she was. She was the yuppie wife, and they kind of adopt. And she and her yuppie husband, played by a very young Alec Baldwin, uh, adopt. Um, uh, the what? What's her name? Don't the girl. Ask me Hold names. on. I the know. one with long black hair. Yeah, the one with long black hair. Winona Ryder. So you've got, you know, Gina Davis and Alec Baldwin as these yuppie couple who dies. Then Michael Keaton is steals the show for like the 10 minutes he's on screen. Mm. Honestly, this is the first time I've ever seen her in a movie where she wasn't good. I've never seen her be this bad before. And this is bad. It's not just bad. It's really bad. Every single time she opens her mouth, I want to put it on mute and just dub it. We tried. We actually did it. 
<laughs> yeah, we actually, no. Seriously, there, if you watch the movie, during the auction scene, we we just hit mute on the computer and we were just reading the subtitles. <laughs> it was a pleasant part of the movie. <laughs> it was. The, the dialogues were pretty rich and nice. Oh, man. She suffers from some of the same problems that... Um, Griffith, Melanie Griffith, had in Lolita, where you had this dialogue from, because in Lolita you had this dialogue from like the 1940s, and then she just couldn't sell it. Ah. Yeah, it, it just didn't sound natural coming out of her mouth. And yeah, Gina did the same thing. You had this, this pirate dialogue, these sort of like bantery bits. It just did not sound right coming out of her mouth. Well, it's practically in our pocket. We'll fight him for it. We'll join with Mordecai. Two ships against one, you should like them odds. Ask yourselves, what would Harry have done? This is our chance to seek some real fortune and to pay back Dog what we owe him. What could be better than that? So it got better at the end, not because they were better after time, but because there was less talking, more yelling. The yelling scenes Gina Davis was fine in. I mean, anybody can yell. Yeah, exactly. The monkey scene was the cutest. I think that might be the same monkey from Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> that, act, that monkey is such a good actor. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's, he's fantastic. Uh, and then, of course, there's Matthew Modine. Because, so originally, I did, I did a little bit of reading up on this, and originally Michael Douglas was supposed to be in as the Shaw character. Huh? Yeah. Uh, and the rumor is that... Gina Davis was pushing for her character to be more of the lead, and Michael Douglas wanted to be the lead himself. So they changed him himself, changing her. Well, he left. Like, Michael Douglas quit. She should have left. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is, her husband at the time was the director. Bad choice, bad alert, alert. Don't tell your wife what to do. It's, it's like Phantom of the Opera. So Phantom of the Opera was written with Sarah Brightman, who was Andrew Lloyd Webber's wife at the time, in mind for the role of Christine. When Sarah Brightman, I think she was already in her 30s. If you listen to the original Broadway cast recording of Phantom of the Opera, you have these amazingly talented people in roles that do not suit them in any way, shape, or form. The movie version with um, Emmy Watson? No. Emmy Emmy Rossum. <laughs> Emmy Rossum. <laughs> Not Emma Watson, Emmy Rossum. Those names are really similar. Don't don't look at me like that. Uh, Emmy Rossum, uh, like like the film version with Emmy Rossum, so much better than the original Broadway cast recording because her they cast voice, her well, her voice fits the character. Which don't put your lover in the in the starring role. Just don't. Only Tim Burton can manage to do that. <laughs> well, that thing, Helena Bonham Carter is never the lead in those movies. No, that's good. That's that's also yeah. That that was the follow up to this. Don't don't make them the lead so that if they mess up, it's not gonna be too bad. Yeah, you know what, which, Helena which Bonham one? Helena Bonham Carter is just better than Gina Davis though. Yeah. Like she's no, but I like her a lot. I can't, I'm biased. Yeah. I, really I mean like Gina Davis. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, she she has the chops for a certain kind of role. Mm. Um, this wasn't it. Same thing with Matthew Modine. I think this, more than anything else, highlights why Matthew Modine was a terrible choice for this particular role. Um, the same year that Cutthroat Island came out, Matthew Modine was in, another, was in another movie called Fluke. Have you heard of this one? Nope. Okay. It's a kid's movie. Matthew Modine dies and is reincarnated as a golden retriever. Oh, 
No, I didn't didn't see that. <laughs> it's it's a very cute. But that 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 would fit with him. Like, exactly, he looks like a golden retriever. He is the human incarnation of a golden retriever. <laughs> That's funny. And when you see him play a role like that, he is at, there is nobody more perfect for that kind of a role than Matthew. So Modine. you think he's just such a good actor, but then after you see him in something else, and mm, he's one of those act. He's not a versatile they actor. They should have gotten Carrie Elvis. They really should have gotten Carrie Elvis. Oh, man, Carrie Ellis would have been so much better. So much better. And the thing is, like, because we were talking about Robin Hood Men in Tights, mm-hmm. which is my hands-down favorite Mel Brooks movie. Such a good movie. I like it better than Blazing Saddles. I like it better than Young Frankenstein. I like it better than Spaceballs. But, yeah, like, that came out two years before this movie. So they really should have known that Carrie Ellis was the perfect choice for this mm-hmm. because he really was. Yes. Maybe Ugh. she would have had a bit more liking to the guy, too, and then there would have been something more than Some actual that chemistry. very, very asepticized relationship with them. I've never cared less about a relationship on screen. No. Like, it, it, it did not even need to exist. No. At that point, no. Yeah, like, it didn't factor into the story I, in any I way, shape, or form. I did not want to see him, like, in a, in a sexual, sexual position, nor her. That... <laughs> Though we did see a lot of her cleavage. Boobs. boobs. There were boobs everywhere. It was a pretty dress. Yeah. Well, it was, well she says boobs everywhere. Gina Davis's boobs everywhere. <laughs> yes. Um, this, this movie was a sausage fest. Buku points to her for pushing for a female-led pirate movie. Because this is the only one of those that exists, as far as I know. But she fails at making that a cool thing. Yeah, she d- she's the wrong actress for that role. I love that she tried. But all in all, I'm not like feeling pissed or anything, not like upset. I'm 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 this happy after watching that movie. I'm this like is not Lolita. I do not want to dig a grave and like sleep in it. Yeah. Cause the director who did this, he's also the guy who is behind um, Die Hard and uh, a lot of other like classic action movies. I feel like this was bigger than those on a production level, and he kind of bit off more than he could chew. In one of the interviews that I was reading that came out sort of around this movie, uh, Matthew Modine said that, like, the director never talked to him. That's ridiculous. It's supposed to be kind of a lead. He Oh, he was absolutely supposed to be one of the leads. But yeah, I think the director w- just had so much on his hands that he wow. didn't know what to do with. So none of those actors were coached, like, to be, like, the the best, like, uh, lines that were delivered were delivered by the other, the evil captain who actually taught, he, he thought this was a whole, all a big joke. That actor knew what this movie was way before anybody else figured it out. He was like the Gargamel, he was just enjoying <laughs> being, like, weird. Yeah, he, he threw everything into it. Um, and it was it was very hammy, over the top kind of a thing. No. Oh gracious! Yeah, he couldn't <laughs> save that one. He couldn't save that one. He saved a lot of lines uh, he, though. Well, he was killed by bad dogs. So. Uh, <laughs> but no, like that line he's got where he's like, like, come to uncle. Oh Jesus! He sold that one. He sold the hell out of that line. Nobody else could have made this one work. Those are the best actors when they know they're in shit and they just decide to like swim in it. Yeah, and they're just like, oh, fantastic! Yes, yes, let's do this. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what about the fat guy? Oh gracious! Okay, yeah. So one of the characters he's supposed to be this writer, who is just 
tagging along with these pirates as research. He's underdeveloped. There's something more. Well, that's Even the a... sidekick of the cap- the captain of the rich people, like the, yeah. the commander. Well, that's the thing. Like, apart from Gina Davis and Matthew Modine, everyone's doing a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. Like, all of the supporting roles are... They're but these sort of no-name actors, but they're really pulling their weight in they're, all of them. They're working hard. Yeah. It's like as if like the main the lead works so much on like um what do you call stunts it? Stunts and crap. Yeah, yeah, the stunts like running and like climbing. They focus on like sword fighting and she failed. Anyway. Oh um, yeah. Gina Davis was not did not have the athleticism to pull off the sword fighting scenes or the no. flying around on the ropes around the mast and put Kira Knightley please. <laughs> well, I'm pretty... Well, no, Keira Knightley was about eight years old when this movie came out. It's okay. She would have been better anyway. <laughs> oh, it would have added a whole creepy dimension to well, that romance. To the, but to the uncle scene would have been okay. <laughs> Come to Come uncle. To uncle. <laughs> I feel like those guys are sort of used to being ignored by by Hollywood directors. So, so they, they could do well even though they were not like, guided. They know that they have to do... They have to make their own character decisions. Yeah. But like Makes sense though. Yeah, and they were all, but they were all fantastic. That that's why I said he was kind of supposed to be the lead because none of the two leads feel like they are. Like everybody's kind of blending in, and what sucks is that they were the the um, supporting characters were so good that yeah. it's, they they since we had no background on them, it felt like paper thin, like history. A lot of stuff happened for apparently no reason. We didn't really know what their motivations were. They were, again, selling every moment that they had on screen, but we didn't have the context for what they were doing. Um, like Trotter is the best example of this. Yeah. So he's this lieutenant to the Royal Army, and he gets put in charge of one of the pirate ships. So then when the pirate ships pirate goes back under the control of the pirates he joins the pirates and it's this really neat sort of twist moment Mm -hmm. but why where does that come from it's cool but where it came from nowhere it was a completely undeveloped change on his part Mm -hmm. and we didn't see like any like uh like he did not get enough like screen time to develop to develop that nothing yeah just not nearly enough i liked his braids (laughs) (laughs) he had braids in the beginning yeah, yeah, like like all that oh, was the fantastic. first scene was really painful. Oh. The just the opening of that gave the tone of the bad acting. It really did. So bad. It it was like Gina Davis was working off of cue cards. It's like she hadn't seen the script before she arrived on the set. She read from she she was reading from the script that was written in the camera she was looking at. Yeah, the end. Yep. It was, oh, so disappointing for such a great actress. uh, There was a lot of awkward scenes, like, you know, when she went to give the map. Yeah. (laughs) And then, like, (laughs) yeah. I've seen one of those. I've seen one of those. I've seen one of those. (laughs) But the other thing is, and another thing that accounted for a lot of the awkwardness was that the movie couldn't pick a tone. Oh, you're right. That's true. Because, like, okay, so for example, some of the side characters have names like uh, Mandy Ricketts. There was a, a a publisher that the that the writer character mentions by like like Snufflenose or some some like Trotter. Yeah, Trotter being like a, like a pig. It was a lot of these like comically British sort of names, like the kind of names you hear out of Harry Potter, mm-hmm. you know. And 
and then the dangling from the chandelier. And then, yeah, dangling from the And so, like, cute those Disney things. Disney scenes. Yeah, these kind of cute Disney scenes that feel like a, like, just so like a, like, hey, let's have some fun with swashbuckling. And then there's a part where, like, they break a dude's arm in the helm wheel. Hmm. It, it is. That's and, the first part of this scene. Yeah. That's worse. And it, it, and it sort of builds from there. And, like, you hear that. It's like, okay, they're bringing a guy's arm in a wheel. Like, oh, yeah, it's kind of... No, no, no. Like, the way that they build it up, the way they set it, it, it feels like a scene from 127 hours. It's gruesome. It's it like, is, where is this coming from? But it's bloodless. There is n- almost no yeah. blood. Like, you see, like, bruises and that sort of thing on people's faces, and they have, like, a cut on the side of their lip. But, like, people are getting, like, slashed in the stomach, and there's no blood. So it's this completely, like, PG, PG-13 sort of action. And somehow it's still cringeworthy when they mm-hmm. break this dude's arm. Yes. It just did not fit with Mandy What's Ricketts. What's the point? Why is this there? Cutthroat Island kept bouncing in between, like, Pirates of the Caribbean territory and Black Sails territory. I just saw characters bouncing on boobs. <laughs> and again, in fairness, this was a solid decade before either of those movies, either of those things existed. But still... Pick a tone, man. Oh, oh, and, and, the way, not Carrie Ellis, uh, the other guy. Matthew Modine. Modine speaks. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, first time we hear him. So it's this ball that's being held by, like, the French diplomats. I think they were French. It, uh, yeah. French or English, anyway. It would be French, I think. The, the, the rich people with these really fake curly wigs. Are very ugly, like like up to like what they should be historically, like ugly wigs. Yeah, they look like what they really looked like back then, which is not impressive and now. And nobody looks good in that drama. Everybody's nope. kind of ugly. Nope. But yeah, so then Matthew Modine swans in as this, uh, you know, scoundrel with a heart of gold there to steal some jewelry off the ladies. His line delivery, <laughs> it is exactly, Bloom. it is exactly Orlando Bloom from Curse of the Black Pearl. There's every reason why I should be alone tonight, being a stranger here. But a woman with grace such as yours should never be unattended. <laughs> I swear Orlando Bloom was like watching Matthew Modine. He studied this movie so bad. It's oh, it's exactly the same. So if you're a big hardcore Orlando Bloom fan, you can watch this. You will still like his acting because there's some kind of shadow of it. It doesn't even make sense that that would have happened, but that's something like that must have happened. Oh man. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, okay. It's not omen. It's amen in this case. Uh, okay, let's see here. Cutthroat Island suffered a little bit of the same problem that we saw with Rise of the Guardians. Ah, uh, timing. Because this was released one weekend after Jumanji. It was such a big thing. It still goes on, like, and it still like airs at, around Christmas time in, mm-hmm. in Quebec. Yeah, well, because it was released in December of 1995. Um, I was looking at some articles that were published about Cutthroat Island from 1996, and one of them said that in a lot of major cities, Cutthroat Island got pulled after two weeks. Oh, that's sad. And when I looked in more detail online, it was only in theaters for seven weeks. 
especially when you think of all the props and just just costume wise like yeah costume wise all the people the extras that were there the 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 attention to detail of every single building they were in every single shot a camera they took attention to make like they were walking in the jungle there would be animals there it's not mm -hmm. just forest they would make sure make sure that we'd see a, a snake like go through or and they blew up the freaking ship like, yeah for real there's a giant awesome explosion at the end of the movie and they just completely demolish one of their perfect replicas of a 17th century tall ship so yeah it's just sad that it was used in such bad acting context yeah. the bad guy the evil uncle he had a serrated cutlass that was cool which sounds really stupid. Then you see it, and it's like it's like he's swinging a shark's head at you. It's so good. I love this. this. The props he's, were so worried. He's Great. cutting through people like he's cutting through bread. Exactly. He's that kind of bad guy. Come to seek my treasure, have you? Don't move. I'll be right down to help you count it. Let's finish this. Come up! Come up to Uncle! So, yeah. Good job from Uncle Dog, the yes. evil pirate. You were a good dog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good, good. Congratulations. I mean, just big props to the entire supporting cast on this movie because it really feels like the director was not paying any attention to any of the actors at all. And so they just threw all of their actual energy into doing it themselves. And they did a great job with that. It was just the leads that did not Royally fit. sucked. They did not fit into this. They needed more direction. It was it was rough. Mm -hmm. Okay, I think we're ready for ratings. Two fluffs for the two two cool scenes with the monkey. Uh, I'm gonna give it one and a half giant serrated cutlasses. Okay, okay. Yeah, one and a half. All right. Well, this has been Floppy Bombs. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe and leave a comment on iTunes. Want to say goodbye? Goodbye. Bye bye. I thought you were about to say the names and stuff. I was waiting for you to call it. <laughs> names? What names? Your name. My oh. name. Our names. This was. People know our names. Mr. Blair, prepare to come about. Steer south southeast. On to your stations, men. Prepare to come about south southeast. We want a ship. And Mr. Shaw, I'd like to see you in my cabin. Immediately. Thank you.